After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face downward to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. When they came to When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly, and he often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. O unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon. And it came out of the boy, and he was healed from that moment. Then disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive him it out? He replied, Because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. When disciples and the disciples were filled with grief. After Jesus and disciples arrived at Capernaum, the collectors of the <clears throat> the collectors of the two drachma tax came to Peter and asked, "Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax?" "Yes, he does," he replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. "What do you think, Simon?" he asked. From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty in taxes, from their own sons or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the sons are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not offend them, go to the lake and throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Thank you, Terry and Wayne. We are looking this morning at that centrality of faith again, and our text is verse 20, 
where Jesus says, if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Congregation of Jesus Christ, as we uh, gather this morning, we think about faith, and we want to have that sense of, of a strong, sure faith, to see our faith grow fuller and stronger in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are looking at that in the context of Jesus talking about our faith, and we've seen that over the past number of weeks through the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, 15, 16. Jesus speaks of our faith and how central it is and how important we uh, need to keep our faith strong. Now this morning, what Jesus is doing here in Matthew 17 is he is trying to have us uh, make our faith big, big as a mountain, that we would have a strong and big and powerful faith. And in contrast to that, as he is trying to do that here in Matthew 17, the disciples are, are packing it up and making it small, just making it tiny, just making it very insignificant. And that's really the, the, what's going on here in Matthew 17. Several times, Jesus, Jesus raises up the, the reality of faith, its power, its strength, the wonder of faith, and the disciples see that and take that and wrap it up and, and put it aside. And so this morning, that we would see that reality before us in this word of God to us and recognize, too, that we do that. We do that. When it comes to faith, we, we don't keep it big and strong and central. Very often we, we narrow it down, small and insignificant. And, yeah, then indeed the mountains that confront us are big and immovable. So we want to look at that this morning and let God's word speak into our heart to grow our faith strong and sure in him. The first thing we need to understand, and I'm sure you do, but let me just, just highlight it here. In Matthew 17, there are uh, mountains in view. The first mountain is a actual physical rocks and boulder mountain. Absolutely, it's a high mountain. In verse 20, the mountain is figurative. It's, it's not a real actual mountain. It is the mountain of, of troubles in our lives. It's mountainous things that look big and imposing to us. And that takes many forms. Just a couple examples. Illness. Illness is definitely a mountain of uncertainty and worry in our lives at times. Very often there's those here now dealing with that kind of mountain of, of uncertainty about health concerns. Absolutely huge. There is the mountain of death, the loss of a loved one or the grief that lingers after uh, and that reality casting a shadow over our lives. There is the, the sense 
occasions too where finances become unmanageable and you have a mountain of debt and that is an immovable thing. What am I going to do? How am I going to proceed? And in our economic uncertainties here in Alberta, that can be a real, real concern. And sometimes even just our work, a mountain of work to do is always there. It's big, overextended ourselves. We, we are always up against it. There's just all this thing and, and so many demands and, and everything becomes exhausting. So in that sense, Jesus is speaking in, chapter, in verse 20 that we live in a mountainous world, a world of troubles and sorrows, fear and pain. So we need a word from the Lord. Jesus trying to teach his disciples and us to make faith big, big and powerful faith that can move mountains. In Matthew 17, verse 20, Jesus speaks of that faith. And when he does, he does point to a physical mountain. When it says in Matthew 17, verse 20, I'm not sure if you notice specifically, but if you look carefully, it says, if you have faith, Jesus says, he doesn't say you can move any mountain. Uh, he says very specifically, if you have faith, you can say to this mountain, and I would have you imagine pointing. He's pointing to a mountain. Now, we can't see mountains from here. But as Jesus is saying this, he's in, in that area around the Sea of Galilee, and, and he's trying to build faith in the disciples. And, and he says to them, if you have faith, even a small faith, you can, you can move. You can move this mountain. This one. This is the mountain that he's pointing to. This is Mount Hermon, which is on the northern uh, region of Israel, north of the Sea of Galilee. And he is pointing to this mountain. And he says, if you have faith, you can move this mountain. This is the biggest mountain. All around that area, this is the highest one. It stands out for, for many, many miles. Wherever you are, you look to the north in Israel, you see Mount Hermon. It's, it's impressive. It's 9,000 feet. It has snow in the winter. They ski there in the winter. It's a big, high mountain. If you have faith, you can move this mountain. Now, the reason Jesus points to this mountain is because it is the highest mountain, but also because this is the mountain that they were just on. This is the mountain of Matthew 17, verse 1, where it says, Jesus took his disciples and led them up a high mountain by themselves. When he points to this mountain, what is he getting at? He is wanting them to connect, to see, to remember, to understand, yes, this is a big mountain. But what did they see on the top of this mountain? What did they just experience on the top of this mountain? Well, they saw Jesus. 
Jesus transfigured before them. They saw, they saw his face shining like the sun, like the sun, the sun in the sky, the sun in the heavens, greater than this mountain, the sun itself. His face was shining like the sun. Who is this, Jesus? And, and his robes began to shine like, like heaven on the top of this mountain. They saw him in all his divine glory. Jesus revealed himself to them as God himself, the very presence and power of Almighty God. And this is our faith, which is bigger than this mountain. This is is showing things so much bigger and more powerful and and glorious than, than this mountain. So have them remember that, to think about that. This is the biggest thing. And so, so even the sense of, do you believe this? Do you believe who I am? Do you believe in me as truly God? The center of your faith has to be in me and in who I am. So much bigger than anything else. Making all the difference in our lives. That's the reality that they are called to remember and center their faith on. So that's why he says in verse 20, if you have faith, you can move this mountain. Because that's believing in something so much bigger, so much more powerful. Well, we can, we can think too, well, give me an example. Give me an example of how that works. What, what difference does it really make? Sure, I can believe in in God's presence and power. Sure, I can believe, yeah, that Jesus is God. What difference does it make in my life? I need an example. And so what happens on that mountain? Right away with Jesus, Moses and Elijah are there. Why are Moses and Elijah there? Well, they're the example. Think about the life of Moses. Moses was asked by God to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. Impossible. There is no way. There is no chance Pharaoh's going to let him go. That's an immovable mountain. Bigger than Mount Hermon. And in faith, Pharaoh goes, uh, Moses goes, speaks to Pharaoh, let the people go. And that mountain moves. And the people go. God is stronger. When we think it's impossible, God makes a way. And again, Moses was standing by the edge of the sea. And Pharaoh and his army were going to wipe them out. And there was no escape. And the waters parted. That's why Moses is standing there on the mountain with Jesus. To remind the disciples, to remind the people, to remind us. When we put our faith in God, he moves mountains. And Elijah's standing there too. And if you just think about Elijah, he was standing on a mountain, Mount Carmel, not too far from Mount Hermon. And he had 400 Baal priests, and they were shouting and praying to Baal. And there he was all by himself, and what is he going to do? 
And God answered his prayer. Fire from heaven. Licked up the altar, the, the water he'd poured on there. Even it says in 1 Kings 18, verse 38, the very stones of the altar that Elijah had made are, are just disintegrated by the fire of God. And everyone bows down and says, the Lord, he is God. He makes a way. When there was no way, there was no moving this crowd of evil Baal worshipers. These are the examples. And just a little later on, Elijah too is, is on another mountain. He's back on the mountain where Moses received the law. 1 Kings 19. And on that mountain, he is very depressed. He, he says to God, I am the only one left. Do you ever get that? I'm the only one left. That, yeah, why, uh, faith, I'm the only one. Such a small group. There's, there's really, yeah, depression can set in in all kinds of ways. God speaks to him on the mountain. And shows him there are 7,000, 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And he is lifted up in faith. God makes a way. So, so that picture, the glorious things of faith are in view here as Jesus is transfigured. And all of that gets, gets focused on Jesus who is in fact the presence and power of God right there with the disciples. So Jesus, you see, is working to make their faith greater and stronger, that we would have that faith, that assurance. God is with us. Our hope is in Jesus. How did the disciples respond? How did they respond? Well, they are, they are there on the mountain with Jesus, and, and, and they see all of that, and what do they do? Well, Peter, Peter says, Oh, oh, Jesus, let's, let's go down now into all the world and let's, let's change everything and let's make all the difference because we have you with us and nothing can stop us. No, Peter, Peter takes all of that. He says, let's, let's make a little tent and let's huddle down here and let's just, let's just sit here a little bit and and enjoy a little bit of time here. And, and you, you are holy here, Jesus. Oh, you are God here for sure. And, and if we maybe stay here, we'll be safe. But there's, there's nothing, nothing beyond that. It's just, it's, it's sure nice. It's sure nice you were glowing like that. And it's sure interesting. But we'll, we'll just sit here and, and we, won't, we won't say too much more about it. Small. Very small. That sense of, of taking that experience of, of seeing who God is, but just making a little shrine, this little spot. And so, so sin will do that. It will, it will work in us and it will limit our faith. Say, well, sure, Jesus is great and wonderful and powerful, but he can't help me. In my life, he, he's just, I, I, I meet him in church maybe on Sunday morning for an hour, but, but that's it. This is, this is a little shrine here. And you come to the little shrine 
and, and you say a little prayer and you give a little money and you sing a little song and, and, and as soon as you're gone, well, yeah, out, out, out there, nothing. He can't, he can't help me out there. He's just here. We better just huddle down here for a little bit and, and then we'll go out there where it's not nice, where it's not so easy. That's so often the response of sin. That's so often what we do. Faith is here once a week. It's not great and glorious. It's small, it's insignificant. Why even bother sometimes? Doesn't make any difference. That sinful attitude is very evident as the disciples respond to seeing the greatness of God, the greatness of Jesus. Now notice what happens. In Matthew 17, verse 5, it says, while Peter was still trying to do that, trying to narrow it down, God himself interrupts Peter. God interrupts him. Peter's going on about, well, let's just narrow this down. And, and God himself speaks from heaven. So you have the, the second example of the glory of God in view. And God speaks into this situation and God declares the glorious truth. A loud, strong word from God. God speaking again. God speaking to us again, even in his word this morning. And God saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. God's voice declaring, booming loud, great. In line with, with the radiance of Jesus, in line with his holiness and the, 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 the transfiguration, God saying, this is my son, declaring approval for all that Jesus says and does so that we can be confident in believing, in putting our faith in him in listening to him, in making Jesus the center of our faith, the center of our lives. Through the church, through the week, in all our worries, in everything that we face, in the troubles and the things we wonder about, Jesus is bigger than them all. Our faith is bigger than everything else, more central, more powerful. Jesus, the very Son of God. To stop our fearful fidgeting, and to give us a strong center of faith that, that moves the troubles to the side and has Jesus at the center. This is the faith that's being declared. God himself speaking from heaven, speaking into our lives again today. What is the response of the disciples? In the story, the disciples don't get it. And so they're down here again. They're not up there, glorious. No, they're down here again. What happens? In the story, they go from the mountain and they, they, they wonder, did it really happen? Was it really true? Uh, and they're confronted here in the verses 14 to 22 by a, a boy who has real problems. And if you notice in Matthew 17, verse 15, this, this situation is difficult. The, the boy has seizures. 
And that's, yeah, how do you cure the seizures? Boy, that's, that, that's a huge mountain in this young man's life. And, and the seizures cause him to fall into the fire. And so how do you protect him? He needs a bubble suit. You've got to watch him all the time. And they cause him to fall in the water, and he's going to drown. And, and this boy needs help. And how can we help him? And how is this going to work? And there's really, really a huge problem. And is it, is it a physical thing? Or is it a demonic thing? Is it... What, what is all going on? And the disciples are sure. It's a big, big mountain. And it's big problems. And there's nothing they can do. So that's the sense of, of they've just come down. They've just come down from the mountain. They've just seen the glory of God. But it has no place. It doesn't work for them. It makes, makes no difference. So what, what actually happens? Very specifically, the father of this boy comes. A distraught father. And really, the, the presentation in verse 15, Lord, have mercy on my son, the son who I love. That's, the, that's really, this father loves his son. And... and Lord, have mercy on my son. And so, so you have the sense of a father expressing the love for his son. And that echoes, echoes what was just said by another father about another son. When God said from heaven, this is my son whom I love. And so you have in the story... The, the faith, the, the focus has shifted from the Son of God to, to this Son who is having real problems. But it needs to come back to the real Son, the Son of God. And so that's, that's what Jesus does. Bring the boy to me, he says in verse 17. The focus has to be on the Son of God, glorious in power. The focus isn't, isn't ever even on what we can do. What can I do? I feel that at times. You feel that at times. People come to you with problems, to me with problems. What can I do? Well, really, not much. Really. But what can Jesus do? He can do everything. He can change everything. Bring him to me, Jesus says. Our focus needs to be on what God can do to seek him, to trust in his word, to seek his will, that Jesus is at the center. And so in this case, Jesus does actually heal the boy. Jesus proving his power. Jesus moving that mountain of uncertainty and fear, pointing them to the assurance of faith that he is the very son of God, that his power is displayed. So that truth gets declared and, and goes even further when it says in Matthew 17, verse 22 and 23, uh, they got, he said to them, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men, they will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. Hallelujah. 
that not even death can stand against the power of God. Jesus is declaring that greatest of all truths. Jesus is saying, I am even stronger than that reality of death that we all face. So he heals the boy, and then he declares that that even greater truth. He has overcome the power of death. What is, what is the response of the disciples again? Verse 23. They are filled with grief. What have they heard? They haven't heard, they haven't listened to the glorious word of truth. They only hear, uh-oh, the mountains, the troubles, the problems. Jesus is going to be killed. Jesus is going to die. What are we going to do? How are we going to proceed? We are in big trouble. Everything is ruined. All is lost. And so they are filled with grief. When we, when we set aside our faith, when we keep it small and insignificant, there, there is no hope. Indeed. <laughs> we are all filled with grief. Boy, this is a lousy life. Boy, you have a difficult situation. Too bad. I'm sad for you. Ah, sorry. That's it. End of story. And with no faith, you die. You're gone. Too bad. Ah, done. Thank you very much. Without faith, indeed, we are all filled with grief. And that's exactly the response of the disciples. Their faith is so small. That huge mountain, a hopeless situation, nothing they can do. But verse 23 that he will be raised, picks up already from verse 9, where Jesus had said to the disciples, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Jesus keeps declaring his power, his power over all things. His, His power will triumph in every difficult situation in the end. No doubt. Verse 9, verse 23, true faith. Shifts our hearing. Our hearing from no hope to hearing, seeing, believing the power of God in every situation. That's faith. Our faith in Jesus Christ makes all the difference. If we believe, if we take hold of that central truth, it makes all the difference. Jesus died on the cross but rose again for our salvation. That's the center of faith. That's why we keep coming back to it. That's why Easter is the center of our Christian hope, his death and resurrection. That reality builds into our life in every situation and takes the mountains of troubles that we face and moves them moves them away from the center. There's still things, no doubt. But nothing is greater, nothing is surer than our Savior's love and care for us. He died for us to sanctify the grave for us. And as he rose, we will rise. So that's the hope that is being expressed here in Matthew 17. 
over and over again and to us as well this morning as we read these words of truth. We as people of God need to keep faith big. We need to keep it central and great and glorious. And that's what we always try to do in our worship services. Focus on who God is, who Jesus is, what he's done, and how he continues to work out his will in our lives. So see again Jesus' glory this morning. Keep Jesus central in every situation that his presence, his power is there. Just like when their attention shifted to the problems of this boy, needed to be shifted back to the assurance that God is there in every difficulty. And finally, to, to listen, to truly listen to God's word speaking into your life to hear that word of hope, that word of faith, that word of truth speaking into your life every day so that together we can go forward in faith and see God's power at work. Amen. We're going to respond in singing Mighty to Save, our God is. Mighty to Save, and we'll stand to sing.
going to come before God in prayer as a congregation and we want to uh, just remember first of all our family of the week we have the Keitel Gerald and Nellie and Nellie just had a shoulder surgery to uh, repair some ligaments in that shoulder socket and that surgery went well she's resting uh, recovering at home uh, this morning so we give thanks for that and uh, we pray also for uh, Harriet Limas had uh, kidney surgery uh, to get some kidney stones out and that also went well and so we're thankful for that. We also want to remember Shirley Boss who uh, had an MRI and they found that she had a pinched nerve in her back that's causing a lot of pain and so we pray too for her at this time. We are going to uh, Join together in prayer. 